1: It is our last show of 2023. Oh, it's been a great year. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's Jason. Dan is here. You are here. Laura is here. Glad to have you with us on Drive Time with Russia. Maybe uh, maybe you're off tomorrow. Maybe you're off all next week. I hope. I hope everybody's getting some time off. The fact that it's our final show of the year has me today thinking about the best moments of 2023. The biggest surprises... The biggest news stories—the thing that you are going to take with you to next year—six five one four six one nine two two six. I have personal, and I have newsable, news usual, news newsy. Both of those things. The biggest moment of twenty twenty three for me personally was. My oldest getting into his dream college. High school graduation, yes, that was a seminal sort of moment. But seeing my kid get into NYU, go to New York City, and get that text about 20 minutes ago that uh, they're officially done. Two finals today. Uh, it's pretty great. How much money did he ask for? Well, yesterday he said all of the food, like the dining halls, were closing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was just a typical soft shoe way of trying to yeah. get some money for dinner. Yeah. Which Alyssa stepped up. I think he went to Wegmans, which is like a Lund's and Byerleys or Kowalski's-esque grocery store.
2: That's the move. Everything's closed. Can I get some money for dinner?
1: Smart. It's a good move. How do I know? You don't. (laughs) The second personal moment also I think is in the running for biggest thing in Minnesota this year. And that was being inside target field when the twins broke the curse, broke the playoff curse, being there with uh, my youngest son, Sam. uh, Our picture in fact was in the, uh, on the front page of the paper, we were sort of very, very hidden in a couple of dots in the background, but the fact that the twins broke the curse was awesome. But, but being there with Sam made it even better. Sure. It
2: was, that was a, I mean, that was a great moment for any baseball fan in Minnesota. Uh, I was not there. I was there earlier in the day you were there earlier, uh, but I was not there during the game. I was watching it with my mother and it's a big bond that she and I have watching baseball together. Um, so that was a lot of fun for me, too. But yeah, as everybody that I know that was there, I'm jealous because I hear the atmosphere was absolutely electric.
1: Well, you know that there were 40,000 people there, yeah, and there are 100,000 people who will claim that they were there. Easily. Easily. <laughs> for sure.
2: Easily. But uh, we should remind folks that, of course, talking about the Twins, talking about the two victories over Toronto, coming up Christmas Day right here on 830 WCCO, you can relive those two wins. Yeah. Uh, Corey Provis, Danny uh, Gladden on the call. Nice. Right here on WCCO Radio, we'll be broadcasting those back-to-back all day.
1: I mean, Royce Lewis, those those home runs were just, like, out-of-body experience.
2: Had he hit uh, any playoff home runs prior to us talking to him at spring training?
1: I mean, the answer is no. 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 That interview that we did... Where, Definitely preceded... I've. In- it's him breaking out as a major league star <laughs> biggest moments for you in 2023 i want your personal highlights i want your minnesota highlights uh, because this has been a busy year yeah uh, especially for a, a generally speaking non-election year 651-461-9226 biggest minnesota moments in your personal life Uh, We'll take Western Wisconsin moments, too. We love you guys, too. Okay. You're fine. Uh, Michael says, we got a new flag. I I, I mean, we did. There may be some recency bias. If anyone thinks getting a new Minnesota flag is one of the biggest stories of the year, uh, no. Right? That's a no. I mean... Could really?
2: You, I'm saying, could you include it in like a top 10 list?
1: Top 10, maybe. I think so. Number 10. Now, how
2: many times in the history of the state of Minnesota have we gotten a new flag?
1: This is the fourth time. Okay. The We've a Every 50 years we get a new flag. Well,
2: I mean, that's not, you know, that's not nothing. Which,
1: by the way, if you are planning on engaging in flag dialogue at your Christmas table, have the facts correct. We have not lived under this same flag for 100 years. It's just been about 50 so, <laughs> you know, you don't... Here's the thing. If you're making a silly argument at the table, you don't want to get derailed by, like, a, a, a wrong fact. I don't know. I, in my experience, the kind of people that make silly arguments about
2: stuff like the flag well, aren't, fl- aren't, aren't often derailed by things like facts. That just They just keep running. Flag
1: dialogue, I think, is perfect. Harmless. Well, I really thought the flag was going to be like a return to the good old days of arguing about something that didn't matter. Like, yeah. I don't like the look, or it's boring, no, or where's it... the loon? It was so nice. Yeah. That that dialogue was so nice, and then it became, it looks like Somalia. The libs are taking over the state. Like, you guys had to ruin what was so nice. It was so nice to – it's like, well, is a trouble, hot dog a sandwich. Yeah, the trouble so is, the nice. inevitable question
2: is, well, why did it need to be changed? Yeah. And then well, when you start talking yeah. about it, you know, that gets you on
1: – Because the old one was ugly. That's the main wow. reason. It's That's the main it. reason. I don't think
2: it's the main reason, but I think it's well, a so, reason.
1: Well, for some people. For but some. there were Republican there was a Republican proposal to get rid of the flag ten years ago. Republicans wanted to get rid of it because it was ugly. But now we just have to line up with our people. Let's talk to Jim and Lakeville. Save us, Jim. I don't want any more flag dialogue. No
0: no no flag talk. Thank you. Personal yeah. personal highlights for me in twenty twenty three in order were welcoming grandson number 2 oh, on january awesome welcoming him on january 6th. retiring on may 1st and welcoming re- grandson number 3 on when the heck was it uh june 2nd or may 31st or early june anyway oh so that's, that's, the, a my
2: highlights. That's, a, that's a pretty good run that's a pretty good run couple of grandkids it's gonna in turn up
0: yeah it's going to be tough to beat
1: that is that is going to be tough to beat Maybe.
0: Maybe a couple of hole in ones next year,
1: <laughs> Jim. Congratulations! That's pretty awesome. Oh my gosh!
0: Thank you. And oh. Jason, if you want, if you want to get together for drinks sometime, I'm more than happy to discuss the flag with you. All right,
1: I, we should have like a like a drive time happy hour, don't you think? Next year, that would be fun. Ab- absolutely. You, Absolutely. You don't have to come, Cook. You okay. don't have to come. All right, then, then I'm all for the idea. All right, Jim, we're going to do this next year. Thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it, Jim in Lakeville at 651-461-9226. That'd be fun. Meet some listeners. Do like a live, couple live talkers maybe. I think you would have a blast at something <laughs> like that. I really do. I really, really do. Yeah, it's true. Daughters UM Gopher uh, Dance winning the NCAA hey, National there you go. Championship. Says one tech boy, that's how fun, right? Yeah, as a, good. especially as a parent, you think about dance team, right? And it's obviously like, look, if you're a parent of a kid who's involved in something, that's not like, you know, football or basketball or whatever. Every once in a while, you have this moment where you're like, how come debate team doesn't get the attention? <laughs> but we know, we know, right. we that's don't, right. we, know, we, know, we know, we know the answer, but. It doesn't matter because if you're the gopher dance team mom or dad that's been driving your kid to dance class since probably uh, that little girl was two or three to win the national championship, my gosh, and, I, well, amazing. And that's the thing. Even if you're
2: talking about a kid that is on a you know football or basketball team or one of the sports that gets yeah. way more attention than everything else, even if you're a big fan of your high school, you know, an alumnus, whatever it is, when you have a kid or a relative that's playing on that team and they win a state championship or they win a national, whatever it is, completely different experience than just being a fan of a particular program. Completely mm, Yeah. And so, you know, good on uh, the dance team there at the U.
1: That's so good. Yeah, for sure. 651 six, two, two, six. Biggest Minnesota story of the year. A texter says legalizing marijuana. Think about that. Think about your biggest moments. I think that's a good... That was on my list of biggest things that happened in Minnesota this year. Keep the calls and the texts coming. Personal biggest moment and or biggest thing that happened in the state this year. 651-461-9226 on this December 21st, the Thursday before Christmas here on CCO. Talking about your biggest moments from 2023 this is uh this is it before i'm on vacation the rest of the year driving to chicago tomorrow uh we're going to release some drussia eats podcast. so just because we're off you can still uh, hear some of the fun interviews we do from different people and uh, we got a couple farmers we got some Restaurant chefs, celebrity chefs, all sorts of fun stuff. So De Russia Eats, its own podcast that you can find uh, on the Odyssey app. You can find it wherever you get podcasts as well. Dan will release uh, one of those episodes tomorrow.
2: Episode four drops tomorrow, yep.
1: Of, of season two. Of season so two. So already, if you haven't listened, there, are, yeah, there's, I don't know, 35 episodes out there. Something
2: like that. Something like
1: that. A lot of them. So check that out. Lots of good texts coming in at 651 461 9226, before we had to break, a texter suggested that legalizing marijuana was the biggest uh, Minnesota story of the year. Well,
2: you said you had that on your list. Yeah. I had. When you talked about the biggest newsmaker, news type of story of the year, I, I went to the just the legislative session as a whole.
1: The trifecta. I mean, between yeah.
2: legalizing marijuana, uh, restoring voting rights for felons, the debate over sports gambling, all the holy cow spending that the Democrats did— um, I that to me that was the easily the most the biggest story in in the state this year.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, the legislature took up most of the oxygen in in news we coverage. Just,
2: we haven't had you know a single party legislature and governor's mansion in yeah. a while, in quite a while. So I do it was think a different it was, experience than what we usually go through in a legislative session.
1: I do think it was uh, astonishing. The way the Democrats kept their very small majority. Yep, and it was slim on both houses, yeah. And they uh, put forth, you know, we'll see. Voters will decide if they think the Democrats went too far. Uh, And that'll be probably the big news story of next year. But at this point, the fact that there's no major Republican candidate running against Amy Klobuchar at the U.S. Senate Mm -hmm. level... uh, and just generally speaking, it's sort of chaos in the state Republican Party from a financial standpoint, a leadership standpoint. I mean, I'm highly skeptical that that even with some of the issues that Republicans will have, that should be very popular Republican issues, overspending, overtaxing, Ah. Uh, I mean not that I'm I'm saying I agree with it I'm saying there could be a robust debate on it and we'll see there should be the house yeah. the house always is is close because of the way the districts are are right. drawn
2: and you also have a presidential in- election that's going to be influencing turnout for that for those house races as well so
1: yeah the presidential election
2: always can tweak things
1: no doubt about it 6514619226 I do think legalizing marijuana will have of anything that was done in this state and, you know, honestly, the legislature passed so much stuff that like every day we're there's a new article that comes out that talks about something where you're like, huh, I didn't know that happened. Um, I think legalizing marijuana will have uh, the longest impact, the longest impact, because obviously you're going to see new innovation, new businesses and new tax revenue. Will there be negatives of it? Also, yes. Yeah. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Biggest personal moment was when I picked up uh, my daughter from her month long experience at Japanese camp at uh, Concordia uh, Language Village.
2: Man, how fascinating would that be?
1: Realize the amazing experience she had there. Ooh. That's pretty cool. It, it brought her out of her depression and changed her perspective. She's doing much better now, and I'm so thankful. Wow. That's great. Whoa.
2: That is awesome.
1: I mean, that is the thing. And, you know, obviously, we're a news talk station. We talk about what's going on in the world and the news. But you think about the impact of that moment. It's so touching. I'm very touched by that. Like The the fact that uh, an experience can turn someone's perspective around so much, that maybe a little bit of light glimmers in the world. Yep. It's really cool. Uh, my new dream job someone got in 2023. That's fun. Best parts of my year, waking up next to my beautiful wife every morning. Oh, Paul. That's from Paul. One of the best parts of my year was also waking up next to Paul's wife. Just, See, he just, just, just had to go God, and ruin. Right? I mean, you just had to ruin. It. Was right there. They took a trip to Sequoia National Park, and they had an amazing validating reading from a medium. Cool. Kid number one paying off student loan in October at age twenty-seven. Kid number two paying off his student loan in December. That's big. That is big. That is big. Ah. Uh, My trip to Banff was pretty big, like Alyssa and I off to Banff with Colette. Amazing
2: pictures you you, uh, shared from that.
1: That was for sure like one of those really special, amazing experiences. We're going to Portugal next fall, by the way. So if anybody wants to go to Portugal with me and Alyssa and a bunch of awesome listeners, uh, let me know because we'll start. I think they'll put the website up for that uh, next week maybe supposed to be at WCCORadio.com slash Portugal. I've always wanted to go to Portugal. Really good food, really good wine, amazing wine. But I hear the people are super welcoming. So I'm kind of excited about that. 651 One of our textures retired after 37 years. How about that? Let's go to Lonnie in Brooklyn Park on the CCO Talk and Text Line. Hey, Lonnie, what's, what's your 2023 moment? Well,
3: I tell you, um, I've had a few of them. Um, the, probably the most um, prevalent one is um, my wife sent me to um, take the dog to the groomer. groomer says, I need three hours. I said, okay. Went and had lunch with a friend, came back three hours later. She goes, I need an hour. Okay. I'm sitting there. there. There's a little pump and munch right there in this little strip mall. Walk in, buy a five dollars scratch off. They get one seventy five bucks. Whoa, that's pretty good. Put, put, put half of it in my pocket. Spent the other half on another scratch off. Won ten thousand
1: dollars. Oh my gosh, Lottie! Yeah. Wow.
3: Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that something? Yeah.
1: How long have had you been yeah. playing scratch off tickets?
3: Well, you know, I just kind of started my father in law died recently, and he was a scratch off guy and I kind of picked up where he left off huh. and it's um it's it's odd, it, it's crazy, but I've got this horseshoe that doesn't quit um I mean it doesn't matter when I play, I always win. Wow,
1: you sort of not to yeah, get like too like mystical about it, but you sort of have to wonder if if your father-in-law is like the universe and your father-in-law kind of, kind of watching out for you.
3: Well, you never know. He was, he was a winner and he, he loved doing it. Mm. So, you know, it's just something I, you know, that I, that I picked up. But but yeah, it was, it was a great, it was a great year.
1: I'm so glad you called and shared that. What a great, great moment and great message for all of us uh, right now. Thanks, Lonnie. 331, we're, Going to do traffic and weather together. When we come back, Rochester schools, uh, they were in trouble. And they got bailed out by Mayo Clinic. Pretty amazing. $10 million gift. We'll talk to the superintendent as to what's going on there in Rochester in just a minute on CCO and I gave the temperature in Rochester because that is where our next segment takes us. Mayo Clinic is known for taking people on the brink of death and bringing them back to life. I'm not going to say that the Rochester schools were at the brink of death, but they they needed some help in the ER and the Mayo Clinic came through with $10 million to the school district in Rochester. Uh, just a fascinating story, a fascinating gift and a struggle that they're having in Rochester that is so relatable to so many different school districts in the state of Minnesota, perhaps in your neighborhood, which is why we wanted to bring the superintendent on the air on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, Dr. Kemp Pacal joins us here on CCO, $10 million from Mayo Clinic. Uh, what, I guess, what do you what do you even say to that?
4: Uh, thank you. Um, but Mayo's, <laughs> Mayo has been a long-standing partner for Rochester Public Schools, but most of our collaboration is focused on, you know, their primary areas of expertise. They run a clinic in our alternative learning center. They do immunizations. We have research projects, but this is the first kind of a gift of its type. As far back as anybody on either the Mayo Clinic side or the Rochester School side. Can guess, but actually, one of the two brothers that founded the Mayo Clinic was on the Rochester School Board. Um, so the mm. the ties go back a long uh, tides go back a long time. And nothing like this.
1: Your district is facing some of the challenges that many of our districts are facing all around Minnesota, all around the country. Really, the struggle of you know the the student population rising costs. Do you have schools in the same spots where you have growing residential populations, stu- school age kids? What what were you facing without without this gift?
4: Well, I got here two and a half years ago, and we really r- realized that we had to um, both launch an aggressive academic agenda to improve student learning for all kids and face some tough budget um, situations. So in the two years that I've been here, we've, we've cut $21 million from the budget, 150 positions. We raised class size uh, at the elementary level, and and none of those are things we wanted to do, but we did it to put the district on a path to financial sustainability. And then we, like a lot of districts, were using the last wave of our federal COVID money that every school district got during the pandemic to buffer kids' um, experience coming out. We were funding counselors and social workers, and that was $10 million. And we had a referendum on the ballot that lost in November by 318 votes, so very, very narrowly lost which gave us at least a $10 million deficit for this year. And what the folks at Mayo Clinic said is we believe in what you're trying to do educationally. And after $21 million of cuts, another $10 million could set back what you're trying to do in literacy and in uh, preparing kids for success in careers, including healthcare, but not only. And so they really have stepped up to make sure we can maintain the momentum. And we're going to go back to our voters next year and ask them to – step up again, but in the meantime Mayo Clinic has really uh, given us an incredible bridge.
1: Dr. kemp Pical is with us from Rochester Public Schools. Mayo Clinic's ten million dollar gift uh, helps you avoid closing three schools at, at least for now. What you know when you, when you look at this situation, you talk to other superintendents, there are many superintendents that are in, a, in an, you know a, a similar situation, your your district, Uh, Like everyone has unique challenges, but a lot of districts are in this sort of this situation, right? You've got you've got rising costs. Labor costs are up. I mean, what's the biggest driver here for you guys as far as is this a structural budget issue where you just you, you know, like in Minneapolis, where they have uh, really too many schools for for the number of students that they have now? Or is this, you know, a rising cost? What what, I guess how, how do you diagnose your own issue there?
4: Uh, it, for Rochester, it's three things. One, the funding from the state of Minnesota for a long time hasn't kept up pace with inflation, but, uh, you know, as you said, our costs right. have gone up. We are, we're, a pe- we're a people business, right? and 85% of our costs are people, and we are, our people deserve good salaries and benefits. So that's number one. Number two is that there are mandated services for students with disabilities, special education services, or kids who are learning English. English language learner services, we are pleased to provide those services, but they are not close to fully funded by the state or federal government. But then on Rochester's piece of it, and this is where you know we are facing the music, Um, in the decade before I got here, we added staff far ahead of our our growth in enrollment. Our growth in enrollment was 7%, and we added 31% growth in staff, and the the students generate the money. So that's where the, the staff cuts have come in over the last two years, because it's on us to keep those lines uh, moving together um, in terms of number of schools, our enrollment since the beginning of the pandemic is down 3.9%. So not at all close to what a lot of districts have yeah, faced, Yeah, but, but I it's was still down yeah. the closure of three, three schools. Cause you gotta, you gotta balance the number of schools to uh, the number of kids. And so while I, thanks to the Mayo Clinic donation, was able to pull back from the closure. We are proposing moving schools uh, into location in facilities so that we'd still be maximizing efficiencies. But fortunately, thanks to Mayo's um, pretty extraordinary investment, we uh, are able to pull back that uh, recommendation to close three schools.
1: Dr. Kemp-Pical is with us from Rochester Public Schools. I have to say, you know, two thoughts. One, from being a reporter in this town for, for 20 years before I came into radio, one of the issues that always, uh, well, I shouldn't say it surprised me, but it did uh, trouble me, is how how hesitant school boards are to close schools, even when it's obvious to everybody, including the school board members who who don't like to vote to close a neighborhood school because it's an unpopular decision, but... We have to right-size our districts, right? I mean, this is just, you know, buildings are expensive. Having, we want our kids to go to school that have social workers and have nurses and have extracurriculars. And you just can't have that if you have a building built for 500 kids and you only have 200. It just doesn't make sense.
4: It doesn't. I, but last night I was in one of the three schools that I had initially recommended to close and that now, since the announcement mm-hmm. is uh, yeah. I'm recommending it. I'm recommending it be moved into be a school, dated within another school in another building, and the there were it was a good discussion. It was parents, a few staff, but um, they were entirely focused on what what I totally understand was the loss of their school community yeah. as they've yeah. experienced it. Yeah, and I walked them through the mask and walked them through the math <laughs> and uh, that was there were there were like two people there who were like yeah okay we get we get the efficiency as i left and it was a it was a difficult evening and course, i think they yeah. sort of gave they gave me some credit for like for, for for you know being there and hearing them i left thinking okay th- th- this is this is a marathon not a sprint they need some time to get mad they need some time to kind of grieve what has been i need to show that i'm listening they had concerns for instance about the safety of the road in front of the school where they would be co-located well that that's that's something i can address right we can talk to the city city about uh, traffic lights and an overpass and we put crossing guards um, so then it needs to say like yep i know this is tough um, but just as you say if we kick this can down the road too far school districts do reach a tipping point where you're watering down the quality of what you're providing to kids so much to subsidize schools that are not sufficiently enrolled. And then when you hit that tipping point, the challenges that you face are a lot harder than what we what we've uh-huh. been facing and we're yeah. still going to face. I mean, the investment from Mayo Mayo Clinic is not going to write us a ten million dollar check every year. This is a one year extraordinary investment and we need to stay disciplined financially and frankly uh, our voters, I hope we'll decide to invest a bit more in the kids of Rochester uh, at, in a referendum next year.
1: Kent Pickell is a superintendent in Rochester. Obviously, uh, you've been following the developments from the state as far as the surplus has uh, generally been accounted for. There's some concern going forward that uh, the commitments to spending ha- will have a structural deficit going out a couple of years. I was disappointed that the state of Minnesota didn't do any sort of uh significant reformulation of the way the state funds education. It's pretty much status quo. We we didn't, you know, redo the formulas or look at how how are we kind of, you know, reimbursing schools for some of the special education, English language learners, those sorts of things. What what is your thought on on that going forward whether there will be any sort of, you know, wholesale change at the way we're doing things?
4: Well, they did do one thing that actually is pretty important if it sticks. Um, And that is they did index the biggest uh, source of funding for K-12 schools, the general fund, to inflation, Mm, true Uh, to the the consumer price index. So for us in Rochester, that's about 65% of the funding that we get. And um, if... The legislature and the state sticks to that that over time is a game changer not because it's going to be necessarily a gigantic increase but because it's predictable like the research would say to really improve to really improve student learning in one school you need between three and five years and but if you want to improve it at a system it's probably five to eight so you've got to have a long game you've got to be thinking about i buy the curriculum i train the teachers i put in place the supports for kids who are struggling all that stuff if you don't know your budget more than a two year biennial budget from the state, you can't plan for that five to eight year trajectory uh, to really yeah. stupid and it makes sense. So that is one that is one thing that they did. I get nervous that like a lot of things, that if suddenly we look around and say, "Whoa, that's expensive," then we back off it again. But right now, that's in statute, and so I think that is—that's a big—that is a big deal. Good. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: yeah. So. Obviously, we're having that discussion about the uh, universal school meal program right now. The cost of that, uh, which to me, it's not surprising that so many kids took advantage of it. I certainly was happy to send my kids to their public school, and have them eat and not have me worry about it. You, you I assume you guys are having big uh, increases in adoption of, of lunch in your district too?
4: We have, like, we have seen a 15% increase in kids eating breakfast and lunch. Um, yeah. And so th- that's, that's good. Um, I, I have to say I was a little bit skeptical of the merit of it when it was first proposed because I was like, wait, we have limited money. Shouldn't we spend it on low income kids? You know, cause my kids, uh, you know, my kids went to, St. Paul schools up there too. I was happy to write a check for their lunch money because I was able to pay for it. But then uh, that, that need to enter your number or to request, depending on how your district you know, request free and reduced lunch, I think what we're seeing is it was just enough of an impediment that kids weren't eating. And so removing that step uh, seems to, at least in Rochester, have meaningfully increased the percentage of our kids who are actually eating. And, you know, I wish, of course, because I'm a nerd, they had put a study in place where they, like, did it in some schools and did, <laughs> right. didn't do it in some other schools. Right. And then we could actually say, is is it, are kids eating more? Is it helping with discipline or attendance or, you know, right. grades? There's no something.
1: control. Yeah, like, yeah.
4: No, there's not. But, you know, but it is interesting. But, like, a lot of stuff, um, one of the things that we got to just do in Minnesota education is, is pick a strategy and stick to it um, because – None of this stuff changes fast, so I have to say, while I'm seeing the the dollar signs behind the price of the free and you know, the yeah. free lunch yeah. happen, I, I hope we don't immediately throw it out because it was double the projected cost. Because then we don't really see if it's worth it. You know, right. we got to stick to right. some stuff for a while.
1: I uh, really appreciate the conversation. So many interesting nuggets in here. Kent Piccal, Superintendent of Rochester Schools. We thank Mayo just like you do. Pretty amazing. Uh, and still tough decisions ahead and and voters get a chance to try to step up. So maybe some of these issues are helped for you down there in Rochester. Have a good holiday. Can't appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for your interest. Three fifty back with a stuffed cougar. Really? Next. Some crazy people want to stuff the cougar that was killed. After it was scaring the crap out of People. In Minneapolis neighborhoods, we are an absolute caricature of ourselves. Is there a point in Minneapolis where you're like, you know, I think the rest of our state looks at us like we're sort of like these loony lefties, right? Is that if you were to ask most of greater Minnesota, what do you think about Minneapolis? Yeah. I used to live in Milwaukee where uh, we referred to Madison as the People's Republic of Madison. And so I think the same might be true of, although it's a slightly dated reference. A little bit. The cougar was hit by someone driving a Hummer, I believe, on 394, killed the cougar. You know, we didn't like the cougar being in our neighborhoods, we didn't want it dead. And sometimes cars hit things. They're going to stuff it. They're going to give it to the park board. And they're trying to raise $11,000. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Someday. I'm just out of words